that dream that you're working toward now won't be the only or the last dream you work toward. Allow yourself some grace. Allow yourself some kindness. And also get real about your scenario. Are you far away or feeling far away because choices you made haven't really contributed to you moving closer, right? So if it's to be healthier or to be out of this job or to be out of this marriage or relationship or into a healthier scenario, are you making choices that get you closer to that? Or are you making choices that keep you in the place that you are in or take you further off course? If at that impasse, you can say to yourself, I think it's time to adjust. I think it's time to pivot. I think it's time to double down. Then take the first step. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Access Hollywood's Scott Evans. You may also recognize this highly passionate, Emmy-nominated entertainment journalist from hosting other shows like The World of Dance or OWN Tonight on the Oprah Winfrey Network. The newest show he is emceeing, America's Big Deal, premieres this Thursday on the USA Network. This show is the first ever live shoppable competition series that will help celebrate entrepreneurs from all backgrounds with a life-changing deal to help make their dreams come true. While you may think this convo will focus on celebrities given Evans' background, that is far from the truth. Scott's come-up story that he shares is quite inspiring And the wisdom that he dishes out from his experience and failures is something that I think you will greatly appreciate and relate to. Scott and I also get into how he remains optimistic when faced with challenge and how he uses difficult situations to his advantage. We also chat in depth about practical steps you must take to achieve any goal or dream and his advice for those that feel that they are so far behind. Scott will give you a behind the scenes look at his latest show and why he's so excited about this new passion project. We also get into how Oprah helped change his life financially and the biggest thing that we misunderstand about celebrities and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Scott Evans to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Scott, welcome to the podcast. What's up, baby? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? You know what? I woke up this morning with the function of all of my limbs in a sound mind with a roof over my head that I can afford with a loving family and a career that I dreamed of. Man, I am living the dream and I am fully aware of it and thankful for it in this very moment. Talking to you, bro, I woke up today with like a pep in my step. I don't know what it is, but like you can't tell me nothing. Like I don't care how this day derails as far as inputs, right? It's the things that might happen on the outside. This is going to be because it already is a magnificent day. How about you, brother? I'm doing well, doing well. It's a beautiful day in Baltimore here. It's like 60 degrees, sunny. It's just but one of my favorite seasons. And I think it's common here with the East yep. Coasters is the fall. You the know, fall. We, could, 
some people like like winter, many hate it here. But the fall, it's like football's coming back on. The leaves are turning. You get that nice little breeze. It's great running weather. Yeah, good to get outside. So, so it's a good day. And um, talking to you as well, like I love your optimism and I love this this perspective that you have on life. I was listening to you on another podcast and it was talking about the pandemic and just the last few years. And it's so easy for people to look at something like that or another massive hardship in their life and say, you know what, this is going to ruin me forever, or it's that thing's fault or it's their fault. Yeah. And then as a result, they end, it ends up preventing them from the very thing that they want is really to be happy and successful. Because if you're so focused on that, that negativity and you're so focused on that time in your life that, that literally brought you to your knees, mm-hmm. like you're going to stay there for a long time. So has this perspective that you've, that you've adopted, has it always been there for you or is this something that's kind of happened with you over time? I think that it is something that I think there were seeds of it that were planted in me, in my consciousness, right? <laughs> From when I was probably still in, my mom was still pregnant with me. Right. She was 20. My father was significantly older. They were never married. My mother, my grandmother was dying of breast cancer as I was being born into this world. And she held me and prayed over my life. And I think, man, this happens every time I talk about this. I think it's because I feel, I feel her more now than ever. Right. Because I'm aware that the things that I'm achieving in my life, one, I'm sad that she's not here to see it. And two, I'm aware that it is happening in part because of her. But she prayed this prayer over my life that I feel sowed these seeds of seeking the brighter side, seeking the greatness in every scenario, in every situation, and not just in your pursuits, but also in the people that are around you, the people that come into contact with you and how you play a role in not only your own life, but in the experiences of other people. I think that as I got older, that mentality developed. I think I doubled down on some of the concepts that seemed to prove very early in my life as like they pay back in dividends, right? Right. Whether it be my own mental health, my own stamina, my own fortitude mentally, but also in the, in the way of like seeing someone's day made better because of something that I was a part of or doing or working toward, right? Seeing someone smile or laugh, feeding a kind of energy of our collective that made us feel a little better, not just that one person, but like all of us a little better. And so, yeah, man, I think that 2020 was a hell of a year. And when I say that, I don't just mean like a, like, woo, it was an experience. I mean, I had some of the most extreme highs that year, experiencing some of the most extreme highs that year, while also living what felt like hell in some respects, you know, and from the, the pandemic to the kind of fever pitch so far of the Black Lives Matter movement to the real, realizing that we all in, in some ways we're dealing with this like collective depression, this collective sense of loss and how we were all moving through it. And so, yeah, like I, I, I was processing in real time 
<laughs> at rapid speed. Like, what are we doing? What am I doing? And, and am I still living in alignment with like what the purpose was? So yeah, I think to short answer your question, I think it always, there was a seed planted in me before I was even on this planet. And I have tried to remind myself that the one of my goals, one of, I believe the purposes of my being on this planet is to remind us all and or as many people as possible that you are worth the work and that you can also be this person that makes, you can use what you have to help make other people feel good, that you can use what you have to help lift other people up more accurately. Right, right. No, you're, you're so, you're so right. And I think, you know, what your grandmother like said to you is, is so spot on and, and there's a lot of unfortunate things that, that happen in the world. There's a lot of unfortunate yeah. things that are going to always hit us in life, but we un, un, also unfortunately can't change that. Right. The fortunate thing we can change is how we respond to these situations. Right. And I think it all comes down to our choices. And I think you know, I, I say this a lot. I don't think adversity is what breaks us, Scott. It's how we respond. Like, it's not the breakup. It's the bottle of wine every single day for five years that breaks you. It's not losing the job. It's, you know, you eating fast food every single day and not like leaving your couch for three years. That's what breaks you, right? And so this idea of how can we identify the choices that we need to make in that moment to gradually get better and come out of that hole to slowly over time, get out of that hole, not only get out of the hole, but get back to where we were and then progress is something yeah. that I'm, I'm fascinated with. And I know in your podcast, you talk about this idea a lot with people where they hit this pivotal moment in their life where they knew that they had to make uh, the proper choices to get back on the trajectory that they were meant to go on. So what were some of the choices like during these last few years when, when things have, when you've had the experiences, collective depression, like you said, mm -hmm. even though you had these highs, what were some of the things you did on a personal level, like on a day-to-day -day basis that kept you like focused, kept you driven and kept you optimistic? Well, I'll say that one of the things in particular that I think it is not just saved my life, but it has allowed me to the space between what is happening around me, good and bad, and what my response is, is meditation. Mm. You know, I meditate, I, I, I do my very best to meditate every single day. That 20 minutes is, a, I, I practice transcendental meditation. Yeah. And the, the reason why it is because it creates this buffer, this lane, I call it. Some people look at it like almost like a moat, right? Of like all the stuff that happens throughout the day. Someone cuts you off on the freeway. Your order was wrong on lunch. You got a bonus check in the mail, a nail in your tire. Your sister calls and says, I hit the lotto. Whatever might be some of the input, it gives you this space that allows you the opportunity to say, is this something that I need to react to? right? Probably not. But is it something that I need to respond to? Maybe, right? The reaction kind of comes in like, pow, like you can't even help it. Somebody cuts you up and you're like, mother, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And now your ride to work is all messed up because somebody else's situation, right? Was probably running late. And instead it gives you this buffer, this opportunity to like detach from some of that 
and allow you to stay aligned and attached to like what your purpose today, what your intention today was. I think also getting clear about daily about what my intention that day was. Today, my intention is organ is to be to exemplify the characteristics of an organized person. Like that is the thing that I'm saying to myself today. Where are the opportunities for me to show up as an organized person? Which means you got to go through your mail. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which means you got to put the laundry up. You know, it means you got to put the recycling away. And those little things start to contribute to your life in a big, big way, right? Also, one of the things I was noticing around Black and in particular Black Lives Matter, but also like the commentary around the efforts of Black people demanding um, to be seen as human, right? Demanding an an equal experience in humanness, right? In this country and around the world was people's claim over their lives and over their experiences. And I was actually, I was actually looking at a photo spread of Chloe and Halle and how beautiful the recording artists that are kind of the protégés, the, the, the mentees, if you will, of Beyonce Knowles. I was looking at these two young ladies who I've grown to know and care about deeply in this photo shoot in their backyard <laughs> right. with their hair in these beautiful locks and remembering this conversation that I'd had and the story that we had done on this young man who had been told uh, by his school administration that he'd be unable to walk in his school's graduation unless he cut off his dreadlocks. And his dreadlocks were like down past his shoulders in the middle of his back. Beautiful, beautiful hair, beautiful young man, great student, great athlete, contributing much to the, the, the culture of this school. And how he didn't have a whole lot of people, especially not professional, professionally, on a national platform, he didn't have a whole lot of people he could point to, to say, my hair is not this unruly thing that you must control, right? School administration. My hair is not this um, lack of care or order that you seek to imprint on it. And so I thought I had been wanting to lock my hair for some time, for many years, and had convinced myself that it was it had no place on network primetime television. And after opening this magazine, that was a cover shoot for this magazine and seeing these two beautiful young women living in their skin and challenging those concepts, I was like, it's time to lock your hair. Hmm. There has never been a better time to do it. You know, while also hearing some of the conversations around Gabrielle Union and AGT and the comments that, were alleged that she alleged were, were um, made to her during that that process. It was just like, here is an opportunity for you to remind yourself and to maybe be truer to who you are in your experience and your desires. And so those were just some of the things that I think I, I that empowered me. Yeah, in the 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 situation, and you know, it it makes me think about that time, you know, we all were like, man, this is a, no one has lived through a time quite like this. No one has experienced anything quite like this. And so to now be on America's big deal, 
on USA, right? Hosting the show, helming the show in locks with locks, this business minded show. It's like to have an opportunity to grant this American dream, you know, to see the American dream in action and to be holding a microphone, helping it along. It's a really cool experience. And to be able to do it as a guy that looks like me, sounds like me, <laughs> moves like me, hopefully giving other people license, the same kind of license, the same kind of permission that I got looking at Chloe and Halley in this magazine. Wow, that's amazing and very well said. I think anytime you have the ability to step in your into your true identity and be your, your whole self without being judged or feeling ashamed or whatever for whatever you're stepping into. I think there's so much power in that. And not only power, that's where I think true self-confidence comes from because now you're on your own path and you're not, you know, you're not essentially um, trying to fit the mold of somebody else to, to please other people, which you see that a lot across mm -hmm. all different walks of life is with social media and everything else. There's so many people that are focusing on what other people are doing and what other people like instead of who they truly are at their core. And I think yeah. that is a big contributing factor to a lot of the, the sadness that's going on right now in the world. It reminds me of the, you know, I don't know if you, if you saw Michaela Cole accept her mm -hmm. Emmy award. One of the things that she said, she said she wrote this, this, her speech in, in particular for, for writers, for creators, but I think that we can all kind of borrow the, the wisdom from it or glean some wisdom from it and that we live in this time where we are, have convinced ourselves or have been convinced that our duty or that it is part of our experience to browse the lives of other people, to not only measure them and, and their worth and worthiness, but also to compare our own. And that somehow we believed that that's the experience, that that's our currency. You know what I'm saying? And the more I do or curate my experience to look and feel like the most popular of the other experiences, then the more worthy I must somehow be. And it just was like, that ain't, that ain't it. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like a double negative at times, right? With, with that, because you have people that are focused and, and browsing other, what others are doing and then judging them, right? Which obviously that can be bad. And not, and not just for the other people. I'm talking like for yourself, you put for out yourself. this negative energy and you waste time, like literally looking at somebody who most of the time you really don't know and judging them for what you see online or what you just what you perceive them to be based on your values and your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then there's the idea of where you're browsing and comparing yourself to that person based on what you think they're good at or what you think their life is like. Yep. And that takes up a lot of negative energy as well and prevents you, again, going back to what I said earlier, from the very thing that you want in life, which is to be happy, successful, to look in the mirror and say, you know what, like I'm proud of myself. Like you're not going to get there if you're focusing on other people. And I definitely want to talk about America's big deal because I think the, I think it's going to be an awesome show. And, it, and the, concept of, the concept of it looks kind of cool. It looks very similar to, to shark tank, I guess, but I'm sure, I mean, obviously it's different, but when I first glimpsed at it, I was like, this kind of reminds me a little bit of it, which is the idea where you're giving like a prize away, I think to a, a struggling entrepreneur. Um, yeah. But before we go back there or before we go there, like I want to go back a little bit because like, clearly you, you've been very successful in the media business been with access for for a long time you've done the world of dance now you have america's big deal but it didn't start that way 
No. Right. I know you started like really, I guess you were an MC for the the Pacers and the WNBA team. And then I'm sure it didn't start there. So where did this all where did this all begin? Did you just know from a kid that you were just had this talent? You have a great voice. I think you're an expert listener. Did you just know that you were going to be in media, in Hollywood, like interviewing some of the most notable people in the, on the planet? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends at Organifi. Let's face it, doing what you can to strengthen your health and immune system is so important right now. This is why I have been taking the immunity blend from Organifi. I also want to say that you cannot supplement your way into immunity or wellness, so make sure that you're taking care of the other areas of your health too. With that said, so many of you are buying immune support supplements and most of them are honestly garbage. It's important to focus on quality. Organifi's immunity is 100% organic and contains clinically researched beta-glucans as well as 500% of your vitamin C intake and a healthy amount of ginger, turmeric, and zinc. This combination will certainly help to provide antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal support and aid in immune function. I find it to be quite delicious and I've passed it along to some of my clients. And because it's made with real oranges, make sure to shake it up well so that it blends smoothly. To check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of immunity from Organifi, go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug for 20% off your Organifi order. That's www.organifi.com forward slash Doug for 20% off. Now back to the show. <laughs> okay. Well, first, Doug, I want to say thank you. I appreciate that, that those observations and the compliments and that kind of affirming what I do. I also want to be clear that like, like because I worked on World of Dance or America's Big Deal or Access Hollywood, that, that, that adversity didn't stop, right? right, like the, right. It, did, it wasn't like this moment of like, oh, he made it. And now all the hardship has ended because that certainly isn't the case, right? But yeah, I did, I did know from a really early age that this is what I wanted to do in some capacity. I did know that since the third grade, man, I, w I was a young Reggie Miller playing against a young Larry Bird in the player intro video, like the home games. My sister, Stacey Pates, was the, the courtside reporter for Fox Sports Network, and she booked me on the gig. I got a day out of school and 50 bucks. And I remember leaving the shoot like, that was incredible. We were in the car and I was like, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And my sister was like, you are kind of creepy. <laughs> like, <laughs> relax. But I remember also going to the first home game and seeing that video play. The lights went down, the jumbotron turns on and the crowd lost it. This, and I'm talking like Reggie Miller, Jermaine O'Neal days, like shortly, shortly to come after was like Ron Artest, right? Like yeah, we're talking, yeah, yeah. the Pacers were. Rick Smith, was he on that team? Was Rick Smith on that team too? And I think Rick Smith was on that team. Yeah, 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 I remember. I should say, I can certainly remember Rick Smith's name being called out quite a few times. Yeah. So two minutes, two, uh, like the, I, I just remember the games, right? It was such a big deal for Indianapolis. And so the, I remember the, the crowd losing their minds. And I remember saying to myself, I want to do this. Like, this is the part, like, I want to be a part of things. I want to work on projects that move people in this way, right? Where you can play it in a stadium and people lose it. And so, yeah, man, I was in a heavy pursuit, an active pursuit of any opportunity to be on a stage 
any opportunity to be in front of a crowd, any opportunity to practice the, the art of entertaining, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember I was in a part of this organization's after school program. The organization is Indiana Black Expo. The program was the Youth Video Institute. Now, my mom worked for this organization, and I think that she really just needed me to be in somewhere safe after school, not getting into trouble. But it also was in direct alignment with like what I had said I'd wanted to do, you know what I mean, as when I grew up, quote unquote. But in this program, I learned the basics of video production and the, the art of st- telling a story in the video medium. And so that would then lead me to, we started a television show with this kind of graduating group of YVI called 360 Degrees. It's still my email today. If you send me an email, it is still the email that we created when we started the show. <laughs> and so through, we aired on the MTV2 affiliate, right, in, in Indianapolis. We were a youth-directed and produced television show talking about everything from sex to college to who pays on a date and what to order when you get there, right? Like it was our stories, teen homelessness. We even did a a whole show on teen homelessness. It was our show talking about things that we cared about. And so I found the passion for television. Then I went to Purdue University studying um, media and communication and theater, and then decided, I think I got to get up out of here because this is going to delay the the opportunities for the real work experience, which is going to set me apart not my degree. Right. Right. And so I moved to LA to try to make it happen and it didn't happen. (laughs) So what, so what happened? You moved to LA and you wanted to pursue this dream. And then did you try out and get turned down multiple times? Like what happened? So I moved to LA to work for a production company shortly after moving to LA, maybe within three months of moving to LA, the, the production company disbanded. The, the brothers who are running the company could not see eye to eye on almost anything. We couldn't keep a job, couldn't book a new job. And so then it was like, okay, well, what's the pivot? What do you do? How do you make this work? I kind of became this live-in nanny situation for a friend that my mom went to high school or went to school with, had grown up with, and the kids were in the industry. So I was on set with them, you know, day in and day out. The daughter that of this family was on an Oscar Mayer commercial and she got paid more than like $30,000 to do this for a couple hours. Wow. And I was like, I, I am so far from my dream right now. <laughs> but then I got this call maybe four or five months into that experience, three months into that experience. I got this call from the Pacers man saying that they were looking for the next MC. And I submitted a tape, came back to do, host a, a preseason game. They offered me the position and I didn't leave. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that kicked everything off. Yeah. So everybody heard your voice and then that led into all these other opportunities that you've gotten. But I want to, I want to touch on something that I think is really important and that like this idea of like these unanswered dreams, if you will. Yeah, where you moved to LA pursuing one dream and you got the, you know, we're doing something with this production company that didn't pan out. Now you're nannying for this family. And that mm-hmm. probably gave you some time to just make some, make some money, chill out a little bit, give you a little bit of stability and then keep your eyes on the entertainment industry, if you will, because her daughter was in that. 
Yeah. And then you get this call from the Pacers that you, that you wouldn't have probably been able to accept, or you would have been torn to accept if you had gone full on with this production company. Yep. And that gave you this amazing gift to now do that for, for a while. And then that obviously translated into these other things that you've done. I, I want to go back to something that you said that, and a lot of people feel this way or felt this way that you, you had this, this idea or this thought that you're like, I'm so far away from my dream. Mm-hmm. So looking back, or maybe somebody who's listening to this that has that, those thoughts going through their head right now, they're starting something and they're just so far away and they're having that play through their head. Like what advice would you give to them? I would first say, have that cry, get it out. Like, don't fight that feeling. Don't stuff that thing down. Don't feed it alcohol. Don't feed it fast food. Don't feed it cutting yourself off from friends and family. Don't feed it isolation. Don't feed it more terror. Feel that, almost purge that. And then I would say, remind yourself that you're absolutely not that as long as you're willing to take the next step, not figure out the next 15, 20, 30, but the next step toward your goal, you're right back on the path. And what you'll find, I think, is that like, as I look back in these moments with you, Doug, I have to say, when I look back, I actually wasn't off the path. I actually wasn't so far away from my goal or from the dream. I was actually walking that bad mother sucker out. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? The, and the, 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 I've, I've said it this way before. It's kind of like your dream and your, your, like the big goal, the big dream for your life is kind of like putting a, an address into GPS that you've never visited before, right? You know where you want to go because you put those coordinates into the GPS. And as you're riding along, you're looking and saying maybe to yourself, oh, I didn't know it was going to look quite like this. I got to turn left here. <laughs> this don't look like this is going to get us where we, this is a one way street. It's, are we sure this is the direction? I've never heard about one ways on the way to th- this destination. I don't know if this is going to be the ride. I, I'm, I'm running low on gas. This can't, this can't possibly going to work out. This can't possibly be the thing that's going to, that's going to get me there in one piece. Right. And then you get, then you finally arrive, arrive at your destination and you hear that arrived. And most times, especially if you've never been there before, like your dream scenario, most times you get to the dream and you're like, oh, this is it, huh? Well, I'm glad I made it. While it doesn't look exactly how I thought it would, I'm glad I made it. You know what I mean? And all those left turns and, and red lights and yellow lights and intersections that you, you encountered are all just part of the journey of reaching the destination, right? And what we all know, anyone who has ever used a GPS, we all know that that last uh, destination you put in wasn't the last destination you'd ever put in. You know what I'm saying? So that, that dream that you're working toward now won't be the only or the last dream you work toward, right? To allow yourself some grace, allow yourself some, some kindness, and also get real about your scenario, are you far away or feeling far away because choices you made haven't really contributed to you moving closer, right? So if it's to be healthier or to be out of this job or to be out of this marriage or relationship or into a healthier scenario, are you making choices that get you closer to that 
Or are you making choices that keep you in the place that you are in or take you further off course? If at that impasse, you can say to yourself, I think it's time to adjust. I think it's time to pivot. I think it's time to double down. Then take the first step. You know, my prayer has often been not just reveal to me what the dream is or what the goal is, but give me the courage to take the step that's necessary. Just the first one, just the first step that's necessary in it. And I want to be honest with you, America's Big Deal is a direct answer to a prayer that I had in quarantine, that the next thing that the next thing that I worked on, the next project that I was a part of, I wanted it to have this, this feeling, this spirit of not only excellence, but dreams coming true, mm. right? Of big opportunities in a time where everybody is being told, you aren't gonna be able to sell it, you aren't gonna be able to do it, nobody's able to do it, no manufacturer can, can you can't track them down, you can't get them to commit. All of these no, 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 no scenarios to be able to give a big yes every single week up to these entrepreneurs who have sacrificed and have worked toward and have just like you and me felt like I'm so far away from the thing right. at some point to show them and the rest of America, you actually aren't. <laughs> if you're willing to take the next step forward toward the thing, you're actually on the path all along. Man, I couldn't be more excited about it. And Joy Mangano, like if she is definitely the example or an example of that tenacity, right? And the not taking no for an answer when everybody's telling you no. Mm. The difference that one shot can make if you're prepared to take it. You know what I mean? Bruh, I couldn't be more. I could, I. I'm ready to shoot the show today. <laughs> well, I, I want, let's get into it. But first, I want to go back to something that you said that was that was awesome. And I use the, the analogy to the GPS a lot for life. And I think a lot of times what happens is when we're, when we're in life, you know, if we were in a GPS and we were, say, I'm in Baltimore and I want to get to New York City, mm-hmm. the, the, the time that it takes to get to the destination when you first put it in on the GPS, it's a lot of times, it's a lot longer to get there. Right. Yes. So if you put in the GPS, like two and a half hours to get to New York from from here in Baltimore now, like as I drive, I might hit some traffic. I might have to hit a detour. I might extend my trip to like four hours. Well, just because it's saying four hours doesn't mean that I'm going to drive to Kentucky. Right. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to stop at a gas station. I might stop and get something to eat. I might turn on a podcast. I might do all these things to occupy my time and use that extra time that I have to grow to become stronger, to become wiser, get some stuff done. And it's a lot like life, like in life, like if you want to be somebody who wants to lose 50 pounds and let's just say the first few weeks, like things are good and you're losing a couple pounds a week. Well, when you, you hit a, you know, a, a time where you're hitting a plateau, maybe in your strength gains, or maybe the scale isn't moving or you don't notice as much in the mirror. Like now's not the time to go eat donuts and and hundred percent. <laughs> like say louder for the Tell them louder. Now is not the time to eat Cheetos and donuts when the scale doesn't move. Yeah, because that is going to push you so far away from. That's going to guarantee you that you don't reach your goals. The only yeah. thing that's going to give you a shot is to keep do- doing the things that you know work. Keep making those choices that you know are going to get you closer to your goal. Right. 
staying hydrated, adjusting your nutrition where you have to, switching up your workouts, getting an accountability partner. But don't you feel like, Doug, don't you feel like sometimes we, we like, we all or nothing situation. For sure. Don't you feel like we, we bring the macro into the micro? We forget that it's about the one choice that I'm going to make right now, right? So cool, the, the desire is um, to lose 50 pounds and I've looked in the mirror and I don't really feel or look any different than I did last week. The choice you make right as you walk away from that mirror is the most important choice. For sure. Because the, it's, if it's the choice of I'm going to drink some water or I'm going to order a dozen donuts because it's not going to make a difference anyway. Like that's the decision that we have. To, it's just the next step. Right. And sometimes I think we get lost in the what is the whole path? What is the whole journey? I have to figure out all of the the possible scenarios and we paralyze ourselves. Right. Seeking that kind of perfection, that kind of ultimate through line and sometimes it just takes this the next step i remember when i was packing my car to move to la and or have my car packed to move to la my mom was saying to me what is the backup plan and i was like to be honest with you kale my mom said to be honest with you plan a gotta work <laughs> plan a gotta work i to to sit here waiting until i have plan b in motion or figured out or exacted is only going to continue to paralyze me in fear and right. in inaction. And so I just, I'm making a choice and I'm, I'm, I'm going for it and I'm going to deal with whatever arises as it arises. Right. And so, yeah, man, that, that kind of belief, that kind of belief, it's everything. Well, and it just starts with a simple step and you're right. And the reason I, I bring up the, the 50 pounds thing is, is because I think, I think it's okay to have bigger goals. I think we yep. all have big goals, but there's not one person that achieves these big goals without doing these simple steps every single day and starting from where they're at. And we have this, I, we have this, this notion as, as a society, many people struggle with this, that we want these big, massive results like yesterday, yesterday. Because we want the the product over the process, right? We want like the end result over the process, and the process is what builds us. Well, when we look at when we're when we pick up our phone and we're constantly reminded about other people's product, yeah. right? We're constantly reminded about other people's seemingly end destination and how far we feel away from it. Of course, that that's the desire, right? The thing is that like you also have to just remind yourself that that isn't the truth. <laughs> that that your life is made better by you like you said, making the next choice. I I, I say it this way, n making your next move the best move. Mm. Period. You know what I mean? And and letting that be the thing that empowers you as opposed to the comparison to someone else. So yeah, man, I, I, I am 100% with you on that. And I think that sometimes we trick ourselves into believing that because we're struggling or because we haven't got it all figured out or because we're not nailing it every single day that somehow we, we remove ourselves from the worthiness of the, of the thing, of the goal or the dream or the life or the experience that somehow because we haven't, we're not seeing the, big blow up or the big prize in our laps that somehow we don't deserve it. And so it's easier then to sticking with the 50 pound 
metaphor or example that, well, now I guess I might as well go eat some donuts because I'm never going to be able to lose these 50 pounds. Right. You know, I feel like one of the things, one of the reasons I'm in these positions and have lived and experienced the, the things that I have is to be an example of you absolutely deserve it. You absolutely deserve it. If you want it and you're willing to work toward it and work toward it, you absolutely deserve it. Go get it. Because if you're waiting for it to come to you, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't even hit the lotto unless you play. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I, I love what you said there. And I think the way I try to put it is you have to just keep stacking these small wins. Yeah. Every single day. And they add up to a bigger win. And you see this a lot where people are comparing their chapter one to someone's chapter 30. Exactly. They're looking, they're, they're somebody who wants to be an MC or they wants to, they want to be a host of a big show. And they're looking at somebody like you and like, well, I'm never going to get there. Like, how am I going to get to be on access Hollywood? Or how am I going to get to host my own show of, you know, America's big deal? Like, how am I going to be able to do that? Like, I can't even, I can't even get a job at my local school announcing for their high school basketball game. Mm -hmm. Well, they forget that all the steps that had to happen with, with you to get to access Hollywood, they forget that you had to then go and do the world of dance and then, that didn't pan out. And now you're doing America's big deal. So like they, people don't see a lot of that. They just see the headline of, you know, Scott Evans hosting America's big deal. And they're like, oh, he must've gotten lucky. So I want to talk about that. But you mentioned something at the beginning that you're like, well, my, my life now, it's not like it hasn't come without hardship in the media. So like, what have yeah. been a couple of the things that you've had to go through that have, that have helped you grow as a person? So, you know, using even World of Dance as an example, it was a dream of mine, a goal of mine, ultimate. Oh, this would be so amazing. When the show was announced and only Jennifer Lopez and I think Neo were attached to the show for NBC, I, I wanted to work on the show since then. And I didn't, I wasn't even like, I want to host the show. I was like, I'll be the social media correspondent. I'll be the dude <laughs> in the audience who's like, yeah, give it up for your judges. Like, right, I will do anything to be a part of this show because it seemed to perfectly merge my passion, my interest and my talent, right? All together. And so I remember when Jenna Dewan was, was uh, announced as the host, I was like, dang, this is going to be a cool ass show. And still praying for it, working toward it, emailing about it. What I didn't know is that Chuck LaBella, one of the, the former NBC executives who was over the show at the time, had been trying to also reach me to uh, about my interest in the show, but my my work email at the time had this weird digit after it, it was Scott Evans two, right? And he was emailing Scott Evans, who was actually a person who had at one point worked at NBC but had since quit, and so his emails were just going into this like funnel of nothingness. I tell you that story to tell you that when I finally did get in touch with Chuck, maybe two years after the show had launched, we did have, kind of have this happenstance meeting. The, one of the first things he said to me was, I reached out to you about the show, but you never emailed me back. We looked at the email, saw that the email was going to a different email. And I was like, there's no way I wouldn't have emailed you about this show. I wanted to work on this show from the announcement. But what I also know is that had I gotten to work on the show and really maybe any capacity at that time, I would have been ill-prepared to shoulder the weight of that responsibility. 
right? I would have not been prepared to hold a microphone and walk on that stage and do what I was able to do two years later as the host of that show, right? That the, the, it, the position would not have been primed for me to walk into and slay the way that I intended to do when I did the, the first time I, I actually did. I just, I'm aware that sometimes the no or sometimes the delay is divine and that to continue to do all that you can in effort for it and in, in, in goal and preparation for it, but that it's all about preparing you, right, for the thing that is undoubtedly without question yours. You know what I'm saying? And so when World of Dance season two happened and COVID hit and we, the, 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 our production date changed for the finale. We had no audience for the last two episodes. The energy in the room changed and then the world shut down, right? I remember feeling like, man, so is that the end of World of Dance? Is like that the end of this ride? I felt like we were just kind of getting started. Is this like how this situation ends? And instead of dwelling on this, what felt like this loss, I decided to like build up the next dream, build up the next desire and not to alienate or, for, or abandon the World of Dance work or effort, but to like, reinforce and reinstate my own sense of self, right? To not allow my, my identity to be tied into the success of this thing or the failure of this thing or the delay, how I see it, the delay in this thing. Because I also do believe the world of dance is one of those shows that people love. And it is incredibly difficult to shoot a show like that in a COVID scenario. And so while I don't see that as a, an end, I'd see it as a, as a, a delay. I've decided that there are some other things. It, make, it made some space for some other, other things to happen in my life, like America's Big Deal. You know what I mean? The way this show came to me, the way that this show has happened and is happening is so clear. It's in this divine kind of timing. You know what I mean? And th that it was meant to be for me in this experience, you know? I just, I just don't, I don't look at hardship in life as the end. I don't look at it as the stopping point. I look at it as a pushing point and not necessarily to push through, to make it to the thing that I feel like is, I'm, I'm be, that's being taken from me, but to push through, to shed, whatever is no longer serving me, right? To push through what is no longer empowering me into a new experience with new strength and new wisdom, hopefully, right? And to use that as fuel to keep going. This, this whole thing of turning pain into purpose is so powerful if you can lean into that and, and it's hard it is hard especially when it hurts <laughs> when, you're, when, when you're in the thick of it it's even harder right like it's it's really hard to see to maintain your faith and believe in god or the universe or whatever you call it like during these really dark times sometimes because 
you forget all the other times that you've gotten through those hard times I, because you're so focused on the hard time in front of you that you're like buried in the weeds almost. And you sometimes have to just, not sometimes you have to do the necessary things, whether it's like meditation, exercise, like leaning in on your close friends, journaling, yeah, journaling. journaling. Yeah. Like, like having those reminders of the times that were so awesome. Right. Yeah. And also the times where you, before you've made it, like you said, and I think you put it so accurately, it's like, you forget that you've been here and made it through in a lot of times worse already. You know what I'm saying? That you certainly, you can make it through this. Certainly you're going to be better on the other end of this thing. Right. But I, I, the, the power of writing things down, whether it be the, the feeling of like this incredible jubilation and, and joy of this experience, or man, I feel so defeated and here's what's going on. Here's what, how I'm, I'm responding to it. Here's how, how hopeless in a lot of ways I feel. And then just a couple weeks or days or months later, feeling this incredible high joy again and seeing it like, oh, okay, actually this is how this thing goes. <laughs> yeah. This well, is and, how goes. and look at what you've done now is that you have this one dream of yours or part of the bigger dream that was planned for you end with the world of dance, right? And then you use that time to, to, to create a new dream, not only for yourself, but for, other people, because let's face it, the amount of people that have faced financial hardship through yeah. the last couple is it's insane. We're still right. facing it. Yeah, we still are. I, I don't even think we're near the end of it, right? Yeah. And so to be able to create a show where you're gonna in a way give back and help people as entrepreneurs fulfill their dream, that's gotta be life-changing in itself. So talk about the concept of the show. I said I reminded me of Shark Tank. I could completely be wrong. But I, I can't wait to tell you about the show. But I, I do want to say that I do believe that it is, it is really important to, you know, after you, if you feel that way about like, oh man, I'm, I feel so, so wrong. I feel so far away from my dream to feel that feeling and then interrupt it. Mm -hmm. Interrupt it with something that is so the opposite of that. The, right. If it's the reminder of that, no, I am worthy, I am working, and I'm doubling down on my commitment to the goal today, right now, this moment, I think there's a power in that. And so in this moment where, where so many of us are feeling this like helplessness, hopelessness, or aimlessness, whether your resources have changed necessarily or not, there is this kind of feeling of like, well, what, when are we, how will I, could I ever, right? America's big deal is an interruption in that mindset and that experience. We are every episode, every week, granting the opportunity of four entrepreneurs to sell their product, to pitch themselves and their offering to America. And unlike some of the other entrepreneur shows, in real time, live, on television, we're going to see how America is responding. And, wow. and the, the difference between other shows, and one, and one of the other differences between this show, um, America's Big Deal, and other shows you've seen on TV before is you can buy the product right now. And I say the, the, some of the lingo around the show is buy the product, but I like to think of it as you can support the dream now you can have direct buy-in into someone else's future immediately. And in some ways, like that's kind of 
how we interrupt our own hopelessness sometimes, right? Is that we can help Sorry. someone else out. We can, we, we focus then on like shifting that energy. And I realize that like buying a product doesn't necessarily for some people have that kind of reaction or that kind of weight or spirituality, I should say. But when you see these entrepreneurs, you're going to fall in love with their personalities. You're going to see yourselves in their stories and you're going to want to support them. That one of the other things that's so cool about this show is it's not about taking ownership away from the entrepreneur. It's about granting access to the American dream to these entrepreneurs, right? And so we're, we're looking at a diverse, a culturally, racially, monetarily diverse group of entrepreneurs with diverse and varying offerings to the American public and opportunities to buy in and to support their dreams, right? And so then the, the entrepreneur with the most wins, the most votes, as I say, are the, the highest in sales near the end of the show, the, the near the third or fourth act of the show, then get to approach this retail panel that offers life-changing deal, a life-changing amount of money as a ultimate buy-in to this entrepreneur's dream, right? Again, not seeking ownership of their company or to take anything away from them, but to grant them the keys to success that they've been working for and in a lot of cases for years. And so it's not about, oh, I got an idea. It's that I have been working toward this and all I have needed is one shot. And if somebody would give me one shot, I know I'm off. I think yeah, of the Eminem it is, song, Lose Yourself, when, you, when you're saying the one shot, I was thinking. All I, all I need is one mic in the yeah. words of Nas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing to work on. I cannot wait for people to see it. I cannot wait for people to interact with it and touch it and feel it. And I also know that every episode we're committed to ensuring this energy is sent out on, into the world of like, you got this. Mm. Don't give up because on the other end of your effort is the dream. Right. You got to keep, you got to keep moving toward it. You got to keep working toward it. You got to keep preparing for it so that when it shows up, one, you know, this is it. And you're ready to act. No, oh, that's, that's awesome. And I, I got a couple more questions about it. So it yeah. just seems that you're, so you're going to have people from all walks of life, all, yep. all backgrounds on the show. And then is there going to be like a tryout like they have with some of the other shows or is it just going to be the same group of people? No, it's four, it's four, diff, it's four entrepreneurs every episode and it's four different entrepreneurs every episode for 10 weeks. Wow. You know, we are, we are looking at the, the big picture and trying our very best to, to include you know, as many people in this process as possible. And to, to you know, there's only so much you can fit in, a, in an hour show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that the, the core desire was to not do kind of like a, a tournament style where it's 50 people that one person gets the big deal, but that every episode, someone walks away with this mega opportunity, but that everyone who has shown up walks away with a reflection of the effort they have put in so far. So 
all of the money that they raise, all of the money that they get in sales, they keep, you know what I mean? At that, from, from the episode, like that's their earnings. It's their kind of pot, so to speak. It's not like, oh, well, if you did it, if you weren't first place, you don't get anything. The, the goal is to affirm as many people as we can in this process. Yeah. And it's definitely going to pull people's heartstrings, I think, and including people at home. And, and I mean, and yeah, I know you said like supporting someone's product might not be like the ultimate idea of being of service or helping somebody out. But I think when you can relate to somebody's story, like you said, yeah, you know, like, you know what, like my like 50 bucks or $20 or a hundred dollars is helping to support that person's dream. And I connect to that person because I remember when I was feeling like that, or I have my son or my daughter who's starting their own business and I'm watching the struggle that they're going through, then it, it definitely can, can definitely turn some emotions. Right. Well, and, and then also consider, you know, I talked about like how a purchase may not necessarily be seen as like a spiritual exchange, but right. if we're talking about small businesses. Yeah. If we're talking about companies that are run by mom and pops, you know, products that were created by families, people who have, left their day jobs because they feel like this product is a service to a community that has been overlooked, then yeah, actually it kind of is. Right. You know what I mean? It, and, and in a lot of ways, again, it is about changing the, using what you have and what you have been given and what you, what is, what resources are at your fingertips to lift up for you sure. Know, those those around us because when we when we do that we all rise right no you know? you're right yeah i can't wait brother i'm so excited like i really am I, there's been nothing like it on tv there's been nothing like it on tv and again to be to be the guy entrusted in pointing this energy directing this energy on stage i couldn't be more excited terrified uh, and proud you know what I mean? It's not lost on me that it's a it's a it's a young black dude with locked hair standing on this stage helping to exact the American dream. Mm. It's not lost on me. So do you think that your passion and love for helping other people and having this dream project of yours revolve around helping others? Is that stem from the fact that you had some people help you along the way when you were younger? Of course. I mean, the, my sister, I call her my sister. She's not, she's not my mother's child. But Stacey Pates was the first professional that I saw doing in some aspect what I would want to do in my own career, in my own life, right? And then she, knowing that, granted me access. She gave me the keys and was like, Let's see what you do with it. You know what I mean? She made the tape also. She made, and I, I'm going to do my very best to not get emotional. But I don't, I've never shared this story. She made the very first recording, the very, very first tape for a talent show for me to dance at. Like she mixed, like she cut parts of the song to another part of the song to fit the time, you know, allotment for this particular talent show. And again, I was in the third grade and having someone believe enough in you that, that they interrupt 
their day to help you along, right? Uh, it's something that I am forever grateful for. And those experiences, and there have been many in my life, but those experiences are, I know, also directly tied to why I believe that all of our purposes on this planet are, are connected to service of one another, right? That we all do better when we are serving each other, that when we are helping each other. And so, yeah, man, it's, I've had so many people step in and help out. Anthony Calhoun is the sports reporter, sports anchor, uh, and I believe now sports director for uh, Wish TV 8 in Indianapolis. It was the first channel that I worked on as an entertainment reporter, and he has consistently checked in and made sure that I was like, that what I needed professionally I had, that, that, he, that I knew that there were voices and, and, and men in this industry. Steve Jefferson, also at WTHR in Indianapolis, mentors of mine that helped propel me to and push me into excellence, you know? My mom trusting me enough to say, okay, if this is how you think you gotta do it, I, well, however it turns out, I'm here to support you. You know, and never really wavering from that. It's why I think I spend so much time now trying to make sure she's got like that she did. You know what I mean? That she spent, she's and sacrificed so much for to raise a kid, you know, at 20 years old as a single mom that like, I don't ever want her to struggle like that again. This, this, no, I mean, I love the, the pay it forward mentality that you have that you never forget where you came from. And I mean, I've told this story a lot, but for me, when I was locked up, I was incarcerated back in 2008. I was mm -hmm. suicidal. I was in the depths of despair, horrific addiction to drugs. And I thought my life was over. Like I literally thought that I was either going to keep going back to jail or I was going to die. And my cellmate got me to work out hmm. and he kind of interrupted where he was in his sentencing in his own life and where he was during his journey to train me every single day during my 90 day sentence to help me. And I'm forever grateful. It saved my life. Like I couldn't talk about small steps. I could not hold myself up to do a push up from my knees when I started. It collapsed, could barely walk up, could barely walk up and down the steps. And with his motivation and encouragement, I was able to do a set of 10 push ups and run the run a mile in jail. And that's what really got me to where I am today was the everything that went on in that transformation. And I still have the workout plan in my place. So I never forget where I came from. And I think a lot of people. They get on the other side, but they forget mm -hmm. where they came from. And all of a sudden things get to their head and they forget that they were that person that was in chapter one of their story. They forget that they were that person that was dead broke. They forget that they were that person that was struggling to find themselves. And I just think if we could all just have more compassion and humility around other people's journeys, we don't have to agree necessarily with what people are doing. I mean, we're not all going to ever agree on everything, right? That, I honestly don't think life would be enjoyable that way, but to be able to have space and compassion and cheer each other on to the best of our ability while also cheering ourselves on, I think we, the world would be a much happier place. And so with that said, I have one question. It's kind of like, I don't want to, it's not a selfish question, but with Access Hollywood, you interview 
tons of celebrities, tons of people. Yeah. And, you, and you see a side of them that many of us don't see. So what do you think is like the most, in, mis, the most mi, one of the most misunderstood things about celebrities that maybe like you get to see because you, you've gotten to know a lot of them and talk to a lot of them, but to the average person might not know? I think I want to answer that, that question kind of twofold. One is, I think, to directly answer that question, people, I hear people often say, well, it's the life they chose. Right. It's the life they chose. And in a lot of ways, in, in, in a lot of cases, it is the work they chose. The life came as a result of us. Yeah. The life came as a result of how we interact with comments and stories and headlines and books and rumors, right? The life they chose was, in, in, in many instances, was to create music, was to create television or film or content on social media, whatever, right? The fame quotient is a response to us. Right. So I often try to flip that back and, and, and help accurately bring into focus like that part of the experience. Now, what individuals do with that fame, what individuals, how they respond to that fame, how they respond to that curiosity. And in, a, in unfortunately, some instances, the sense of ownership that an audience can feel over an artist or over an individual is another thing. But I think, you know, we all got to kind of look at like our own parts to play in, in all of this celebrity and otherwise. But I want to say one of the, one of the moments that changed my life in this job, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I was selected by Oprah Winfrey to, to co-host her first live television show on the own network called own tonight I did it with Stacey Ike who is an incredibly talented woman in and out of this industry but it afforded me an opportunity to not only tell Oprah what it felt like or Miss Winfrey what it felt like to get the call from her office that I had been chosen for this job but that it also gave me the opportunity to ask her to believe with me as a person who had come from very humble beginnings to achieving some of the most seemingly impossible scenarios and achievements or, or dreams for a, a black woman in this country, for a woman in this world, for a person on this planet, right? I asked her to Believe with me, she, she had done an interview on the Ellen show. I think it was like in the hot seat or something like that, where she talked about walking into a bank because with, with walking into a bank with a check that she wanted to cash because she just wanted to know what it felt like. And it was a, it was a check for a million dollars. Wow. Because she just wanted to know what it felt like to go to a teller and say, I'd like to pull out, I'd like to withdraw a million dollars of my money. She joked, I'm not sure it was a joke, but she jokingly then said later in the conversation, actually the check was for $2 million. But I was then invited to a brunch at her house and where I asked her to believe with me the same, believe with me for the same experience. I wanted to be able to one day believe 
a million dollars I had access to, right? So I wrote a check to myself that day and I showed her the check. And the first thing that she said was, oh, it's already on the way to you. I already see it for you. But do you want to take home a million or do you want to have a million? And I said, what's the difference? She said, well, if you want to take home a million, you're going to need to change this amount. You are actually going to need to, to, to earn $1.352 million because Uncle Sam is going to want his, his share. So if you want a million, you got to earn a little bit more than a million. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to seem like I'm living this ultimate life that so many people can't or won't. But what I'm, I'm, I was able to cash that check, right? I was able to look and see that I have access to that fund, to, the, to those funds, right? I was able to make real that dream and that I know that if I am in the position that I am in now, that certainly anyone who is listening to this podcast, anyone who is reading a, a, a blog post on my story or familiarizing themselves with my experience, you have just as much license and just as much permission to see the big dreams in your own life come become reality like I have. It wasn't because Oprah believed it, but it was because I had convinced myself I am worthy of this and I am willing to do the work that would make a situation like this reality. And man, like, to me, that's the part of celebrity that I find useful is that there are so many examples of people who have Tyler Perry, you know, having conversations with him during the pandemic about his own experience and his own sacrifices and wins. Like, yeah, there are some exceptions to what can seem like exceptions to the rule, but if you apply the rule to your life, I guarantee that you'll be better tomorrow than you are today. And you are worth it. Yeah. Man, so inspirational and so well said. And I think it's just all of this is like you said, is a byproduct of your desire to put the work in every single day and also your desire to see every moment that didn't go your way or every setback is an opportunity to take the detour to get to your destination, right? Yeah. Not as an excuse to turn back around and go home, not as, not as an excuse to park your car of life on the side of the road mm -hmm. and sit on the side and cry and say, woe is me, which a lot of people do. And I honestly, like, I, I, I think there's a moment where that's okay to feel yeah. feelings for sure. Got to do like, don't, yeah, like, yeah. don't, like, don't run from that. Don't run from that. Don't run from that. And like, I also want to use this as an opportunity. And I know that this is not necessarily the platform for it, but I will say it almost in any opportunity that I can therapy, 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 yeah. therapy, 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 get in it, get familiar with it, use it, wield it, believe it, know it.
Trust it, use it, get in it because it equips you with some of the mechanisms to deal, heal, and move through, right? Like, why are we still living the same cycle that we have all these years? Why can't I seem to break it? Well, because you're probably doing the same thing over and over. And like, yeah, like it, it, is, it is just like, I feel like we have, the only reason I interrupted you is because I feel like in a, in a lot of ways, especially as men, we're taught that like the emotion, our emotionality is weakness, that emotions, crying, disappointment, loneliness, pain are all signs of our weakness somehow. And I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I've cried three times in this interview with you. <laughs> no, and I appreciate you bringing up therapy. We, I, we promote therapy on the show a lot. We talk a yeah. lot about it and the importance mm-hmm. of it and, and owning who you are in that moment and then just having the courage to, to get into therapy because you're right. You have to work through some of those unhealthy patterns, some of that mm-hmm. dysfunction or some of the stuff that you know, you've either experienced or has been done to you or whatever it is and then get through it get through that so that you know your life can get better and i guess what to finish up what i was going to say and then we'll kind of close our conversation was just that yeah it's like it's definitely okay to like park your car and cry and Mm -hmm. feel your feel feel the feelings but you know what's not okay like i mean is or it's not going to be conducive to what you truly want is just to sit on the side of the road for the rest of your life and not get put the key back in and, and try and figure out where you're going because i think at the end of the day what you'll find is if you just put that key in the car and you just begin, dri- you begin to drive just a little bit, you get closer to your destination, you know, things will start to appear a little bit more clearly as you, as the car keeps going and going. So Scott Evans has been awesome. I feel like I could have talked to you all day. This has been awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, brother. Listen, listen, anytime, anytime. This has been such a treat for me this morning. Like you have such a way of clicking into the moment, Right. And, and recognizing that it's bigger than me and you. Yeah. You know, my brother and I have this saying that we've been kind of exchanging through text randomly and in and out of context that it's not that serious, but it is that deep, <laughs> right? Mm. It's not that serious, but it is that deep. And you have a sincere understanding of just how deep it is. And I love that you, you have used your story, your own experience, to not only empower and lift yourself up, but to encourage other people that their story and their experiences have the same power. And that if you can be a reminder to them, that certainly they can remind themselves and be a reminder to others. You know, it's a really cool thing. It's a really cool space that you created. And I'm just glad to have been able to be a part of it, man. Well, thank you for the kind words and thanks for, for coming on and, and sharing so openly and being able to get deep. You know, I love getting deep on the podcast and really yeah. unpacking the stories because I think it's cool. You know, it's cool to, to talk about some of the surface level stuff. But the fact of the matter is, I think to really get people to relate to the guests, I think you got to get you got to crack beneath the surface and really get beneath all of that and get to the core of what drives people, get to the core of of what's got them to where they are today. So if people want to check out like more with, with what you're doing, I mean, get, you know, alerts on America's big deal or yeah. you on social media, where can they do that? So I am, I am Scott Evans with two T's. I am Scott Evans on all social media platforms. Um, ABD America's big deal is on USA network, October, I believe 14th. I'm also very excited because 
you know, the, the work on Access Hollywood continues, my work on Access Hollywood continues, but also this opportunity to tell more stories, to tell stories that are important to me. I've been given this really unique platform to, to, to help amplify uh, the people who ha have been instrumental in my life, the stories that have been instrumental in my life, and to help them reach new audiences. And so I'm so excited that NBC, Comcast Universal, has trusted me as one of those, quote unquote, gatekeepers to, you know, in storytelling and reaching audiences. I cannot wait to tell you more about that <laughs> soon. But yeah, man, like it, we, we are out here. We are out here. October 14th, I believe at 9 p.m. Eastern. We are live. We are going. And it is go time. Lego, baby. <laughs> Boom. I love it. You'll be out on the East Coast, right? You'll be in New York? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can't, you know, I, I born on the East Coast. I was born on the East Coast, so it's kind of like coming home to me. So you're born in what, Jersey, right? In Jersey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I will make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes. Scott, this has been awesome. Thanks again. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Scott said about his journey. Maybe it was something he said about how he used uh, 2020 to his advantage or something that he said about America's New Deal or any other part of this conversation today. We'd love to hear your feedback and takeaways. So tag Scott, tag myself. We look forward to hearing from you. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. And we'll see you next time.